Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Good morning, good morning. Hey, can we give it up for our dream team, the worship team, production, connect, safety kids. I'm probably missing a couple, but man, all the teams that make Sundays happen, we appreciate you so much. And what an amazing, amazing Sunday. Uh, So excited to have you in the room. Come on now. It's always good to be here. It's always good to be together. And uh, before I move on, uh, just a couple things. Man, I am so excited for what God is doing. Can you believe that? $2.55 million in two years. Come on. Come on. That is the power of the church being the church together. And so I can't wait. You're going to hear some more updates on the Grow Project in the next few weeks as well. Uh, and then secondly, just so you know, I um, want to make this announcement for those watching online and in the room. We announced backpack registration. You could still sign up to volunteer, but we actually are full with backpack registration signups for people who need a backpack. We have over a thousand plus people signed up as of right now to get a backpack. And so we're going to love our city the way we always love our city. We're going to show them the love of Jesus this week. Isn't that amazing? That's so cool. So if you want to be part of that, make sure you sign up to volunteer. Um, I just, so proud of our team, so proud of our church. And I, I am so privileged to be the lead pastor here. I, I, I tell my friends that are pastors everywhere else that I do, I, I have the best church in the world and I, I, have, I have the best team in the world. And I, I truly believe that. I wouldn't want to do this with anyone else. I was just talking with Pastor Albert in the corner, uh, first service. I just said, it's a joy to work with him. And I truly mean that, that not just with him, but our team. It's one of the greatest joys of my life uh, to be able to work with the people we work with at Thrive. We have incredible leadership here. Can we just give it up for our, our staff and our pastors? And so using that kind of as a segue, um, you know, we've been on this series called Your Story Matters, and you already had like the best shout down introduction ever, Pastor Albert. Like, doesn't matter what I said on the screen, they were just going for it. You're like, it was like Billy Graham was coming on stage or something. That's awesome. I, I pray that they get as excited when I come up here as you come up here. No, I'm just kidding. But we love you, Pastor Albert. And I, I love that, that we get to interview you today and, and share your story. So for those that do not know, Pastor Albert is our men's director here at Thrive. And uh, so excited uh, to be able to hear what God has put on your heart today. So let's jump in. Um, share with us just a little bit about yourself and uh, share with us a little. Oh, all right. Well, testing test. one, two. Test, test, test. Well, that's not awkward. <laughs> Can you hear us? Okay. <laughs> uh, How we doing? All right. Well, I think the team's going to handle it then. As we figure it out, we'll get the green light. And we'll, we'll get back on the mics. Can you guys hear us back there in the back? Can you hear she us in the back? No. Someone said no. No? That's, that's amazing. No. Not yet? You can't hear that was, us? That was, uh, there, there we go. Testing. Testing. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. All right. There we are. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I just believe the devil doesn't want to hear you talk, Pastor Albert. We've had some issues this morning. Or my wife just hears me talk too much. Oh. No, this is good. We've been having some technical difficulties this morning, family, and so just bear with us. It it might happen a couple times. It's been a little crazy, but it's all good. How many know that that Jesus still is on the throne? Yes, he is. Even when they're sound demons? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's good because back in the day, it was way worse, trust me, so... This is a whole lot better what we're dealing with than what we used to. So uh, we're just going to talk really fast. Yeah. Real, so real I'm going to go from like Mexican to Puerto Rican. Okay. 
<laughs> and I'm going to go from something to something, too. There you go. Know. That works. That works. <laughs> no, no, we're good. Um, but Pastor Albert, go ahead and tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, what okay. you do here, and your okay. family, and, and all that. So, so go ahead and just walk us through that before we jump in. Yeah, so like you said, I'm the men's uh, pastor here, and uh, I love working with you men. Uh, shout out, men. Where you at? Raise the hands. There we go. Hey, we've had some good stuff. Had some good stuff. Man, if you're not a part of something, you guys got to get involved. It's good stuff. We get into it. But, yeah, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm able to be a part of uh, something great, work with you men. Uh, we have several groups. We have a Tuesday night group. We have a Wednesday night, Friday, Saturday yeah. sometimes. It's just wonderful. But we get into it. We get into the nitty-gritty. We open up. We do some stuff where we, we just talk out and uh, we talk about real stuff, stuff that you probably wouldn't want to talk about in church setting like this. But when we're in our groups, good things happen breakthroughs happen, and growth happens. I mean, it's just amazing what God's doing. All right, awesome. And then tell us about your family. Married, Yeah, kids. yeah, yeah. If you wouldn't mind putting up the picture of my family. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Yep, that's my family. We're a Brady Bunch family. Now, you're probably wondering, those two in the middle, yeah, they haven't been here, but we're praying for their salvation. Yeah. So let's just go from uh, uh, right to left, the smallest one. His name is Zane. You guys know Zane around yes, here. We do. He is 12 years old, and that boy was wired with energy. And uh, he used to zip around here, all that stuff. But, yeah, he, you guys know him as he's growing up. He's 12 years old. Next to him is his, his, his uh, older brother, Isaac. Isaac is in Santa Barbara. He's 20 years old. He's, uh, I, I believe he's on the cusp of getting saved. I believe that God is doing something wonderful there. And, I, and Isaac next to him on, on, his right, uh, on Isaac's right uh, would be Philip. Philip is 26 years old. And that boy's got scripture written all over him. And I claim that that scripture invades right here so that he can get saved. I know that God's going to do something great in his life. And then my daughter on the side of Philip is uh, Bella. You guys know Bella. She's running around here somewhere. Um, but she is, um, she is my joy, my little girl. And uh, together, my wife right here, Natalie, she and I came together in 2012. And we didn't have any kids together, but her boys, what she gave me was boys. And what I was able to give her was a girl. And uh, it's a beautiful fusion. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Good stuff. So let's jump into your story. I can't wait to hear it. I heard it first service. Powerful stuff. And so let's jump in. Talk to me a little bit about growing up before Jesus, background. Let's, Let's go ahead and jump through that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, let me go back just to my grandmother who was, uh, you know, you know uh, came from a family that was broken. Her, her mother and her father were divorced. And so when my grandmother, uh, this is my Norwegian side, English Norwegian side, uh, her mom would make ends meet. And when she ran out of money, she would take my grandmother to uh, an orphanage where nuns would raise her. And then when the mother... My, uh, her grandmother, my great-grandmother, would have enough money. She would pull them out and then live with them. And then when she ran out of money, back and back and forth. So my uh, religious background when, when I was born into, or if you will, would, was Catholicism. So many of us here probably had been a part of that at some point, maybe, or not. But uh, that's what I was raised into. Yeah. And so um, with that being said, with with my life growing up in that, I, I was introduced to Christianity um, sometime later, but I need to kind of point out a little part of my story where I was raised in Fremont until about eight years old, uh, got into some mischief uh, where I f- was introduced at, at age of eight to pornography, uh, alcohol, smoking cigarettes, and stealing. 
So at an age of eight, that's my first remembrance of sinning when I find out that that's, those are sins, right? So yeah. I, I did those things. And, um, and, and, and you said for service, growing up Catholic. Yeah, yeah. So, so growing up Catholic. Growing up Catholic. But a good family. I had a great family. You know, I, I, I'm very fortunate. I'm, in this day and age, we just come from a lot of brokenness. Uh, to hear people that didn't have a mom or dad next to them, uh, an, absent, an absent mother or father, I, I, had, I had it all. I had a great mom and dad. I had a great uh, grandparents on both sides that stayed together. They showed me what a marriage looked like. And um, I'm so grateful for that. My, my dad was raised Catholic. My mom was Pescopillian. Episcopalian, yeah. Episcopalian. Yeah. I was like, why are you, you're, you're, we switched it. You're interviewing me all of a sudden. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. what is he about to ask me right now? Yeah. Now, I don't know what they are, the differences, but there is some differences. So yeah. obviously growing up, um, they, they baptized me Catholic, uh, you know, how they do when you're a baby and things. And sure. so I remember a conversation, a side note, my dad says, hey, I saved you a long time ago. I did you a favor. And he says, I saved you a long yeah, time ago. he goes, ago. I got you baptized. You were already done. You know, he, like, dunked, he dunked you just, yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> holding on to your ankles. Just, yeah. you know, real. And I'm like, Dad, that's not what the Bible says. You know? So we just had this conversation. And, and I just you know, wanted you guys to hear that because my dad had this, um, the, the Catholic way about him. Sure. And he was very proud of it because, obviously, my grandmother was raised by uh, nuns. So it meant a lot. It was almost like it was a betrayal when I went to the Christian faith. But before I got to the Christian faith, let me just step, step back a little bit. I, I came out here when I was nine years old, about 1984, 85. Okay. And when I came out here, um, I joined up on a baseball team, Little League baseball team. And my, my coach's son became my best friend, like a brother. And he would invite me to spend the night over his house. And he says, but hey, if you come spend the night at my house, um, you're you're going to have to come to church with us. And okay, I'm like, now? I'm like, okay. Sure, why not? Uh, he goes, yeah, there's girls there, right? So I'm like, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Of course I went, and there was only a couple of girls. I don't know. It was like a church of 13, you know, so it wasn't that much. But I remember the stories, yeah. and I remember the Wednesday nights that I was able to go there even on Wednesday nights, and, and the youth pastor was breaking down Scripture. And I remember the story of David and Goliath that was the most intriguing story that I heard. And I, I don't retain anything, uh, and I don't remember a whole lot, but I remembered the story and what it meant and how it felt. And I just remember some of those, those things that I was learning as a youth uh, as I was Going back and forth, we were going to Catholic church still. Uh, every once in a while, I was going to a Christian church. And then, um, and then uh, life kind of happened. I went into high school, uh, got into relationships. My parents, were, they were pretty lenient with me. They, said, they always said I was a good boy, you know. And so I, had the, I prided myself on being good and, mm. and doing things that I thought were right and, and, and being a good boy and all that stuff. And, and, um, but I, I had relationships with girls that I shouldn't have had. And um, I would I would fornicate, and you know those are things that are difficult. And I hope you guys don't judge me, but you're looking at me like, hey, he's a pastor or whatever. He's speaking on the pulpit, but I want you to know that I'm an ordinary man, and the only reason why I'm able to do extraordinary things is because of God. Yeah, it's good. So if you feel like, and I wanted to just point that out because as as your story is being written out, as your story is being given and you're living it out, God could do wonderful and great and mighty things through you. Yeah, it's good. You just have to believe. So here's, here's, here it is. So God, um, 
was showing me, I was kind of going back and forth between Catholic and Christian. I was kind of making my way. I was reading the Bible, and I uh, remember reading the first book was, was Revelations. I was intrigued by that book. Oh, wow. Yeah. You so, went all in, bro. I know. I just went straight to the back. <laughs> and so I had no idea. You wanted idea. to find out the end of the story I before did. you started. It was so intriguing, too. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, so I got into this relationship where I was, uh, shouldn't have been in, and sure. we fell into sin. I remember going to the church, and we were confessing. Uh, Christian church, and we were we were confessing our sin, and I remember the rejection that I re- that I received, mm. the disappointment that I uh, allowed uh, to take place. My pastor at the time uh, was really disappointing, and I took that so hard that to the point where I just didn't feel welcomed. I had shame, uh, disappointment, like I like I let somebody down um, myself. But the self-righteousness inside of me was like, you know what? I just messed up one time or whatever it was. Mm, I just good. messed up. And I just kind of like guarded my heart. Just like, oh, I'm okay, though. I, stopped. I, mean, I did one thing. What's the big deal, right? Or, yeah. But I kind of went around. But I, but I felt the disappointment and shame. Like it just wasn't in, supposed to be there. Yeah. Can, I, can, I, can yeah. I say something to that? So we did a series. I'm, I don't ever do this, but I'm going to refer to it. We did a series in the beginning of the year called Inside Out. And um, we were talking about spiritual maturity, and, and it was a lot of fun. Um, one of the things, one of the things we talked about in Inside Out was uh, we talked a whole Sunday morning on the topic of conviction. And if you if you ever need to learn about that or grow in that, you can go to our YouTube channel. All the series is on there. Really good stuff, I believe, to really help you. Um, but in conviction, I really believe in that moment. Excuse me. In, in that moment. Um, the enemy comes in with shame and guilt, and the Holy Spirit wants to come in with conviction, right? So when we do something wrong, the Holy Spirit wants to come in and convict us, saying, hey, you messed up, but I love you. We need to fix this. You need to keep going. You need to repent. You need to get your life right. What shame and guilt does is no one cares about you. No one loves you. You're a screw-up. You're a mistake. Here's the main point I'm trying to get to. You're talking about the self-righteous thing. What, what, what I think is key is our self-righteousness, which is our ability to think that we can get ourselves saved and get ourselves into heaven. That's what self-righteousness is. It's it, humans struggle with that. Um, self-righteousness, I really believe, is a breeding ground for shame and guilt because it puts all the blame on you and it takes God out of the equation. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Come on, are you following me? So in that moment, Right? I think this is a real key thing. We didn't even talk about this for service, but I think this is important. Um, not only maybe the pastor handled it wrong or whatever, we don't, you know, he was trying to process it himself. Yeah. And we've been very vulnerable the last few weeks on leadership, healthy, unhealthy spiritual leadership, and unhealthy churches. Like, right? We, we talk about it. Um, but in that moment, I also believe what you're saying when we have a spirit of self righteousness, where we feel like we've arrived and we got it all together. It really hardens our heart to even the Holy Spirit trying to help us and work things in our life. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And so just, you could, do you, do you have something to jump into that? Yeah, like just, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, with that spiritual self-righteousness, yeah. that comes, uh, the thought in your head is like, I don't need God. Mm. You know, why do I need him? I had everything. I had everything I could have want as a kid. Uh, why do I need God? Wow. <laughs> Why do I need God? Why, why so do I need true. to be saved? What was the reason for it? I mm-hmm. had everything. Mm-hmm. Saved from what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. You know, saved from what? I mean, a lot of us think that and we contemplate. We come to church. Some of you here today, someone brought you and you're like, why do I come to church? Yeah. You know, what's, 
what's going to be different about this time versus the last time. But the difference can, can be is if you recognize that if you're doing it all on your own and you feel like you have all the answers, maybe you need to relook at that and ask the Lord to forgive you. Yeah. Forgive you for taking what he has for you and, and just throwing it to the wayside. There's an understanding in our mind, you know, like I remember having a conversation with someone and they said, I don't want to bother God. I'll just do it myself. Mm. That's self-righteousness. Well, it's true. I'll it's do good. it myself because I just don't want that. Right? right? I'm like, yeah. no, it's, it's quite the opposite. I need God to get through something, right. but not to be in front of him and not to be behind him, but to do it with him. Yeah. So different. Yeah, that's, it's so true. And that's the gospel. That the gospel is that, yes, you have free choice. Yes, you have free will. Yes, you have independence. So we're not saying you can't make your own decisions. But what we are saying is in your decisions, it will lead you to sin because everyone falls short. That's what Romans says. And the antidote to sin, to the shame and guilt. Because here's the thing. Pastor Albert is dealing with this self-righteous thing as a young man. But yet he's still feeling the shame and guilt. And the antidote to the shame and guilt wasn't more of his own decisions because it was his decisions that got him to where he got to in the first place. Absolutely. It's actually for God to intervene. He begins to transform our hearts from the inside out. Yes. And then God begins to move. And next thing you know, he changes our decision making. He renews our mind. That's the book of Romans, right? He brings us into the mind of Christ, which Paul talks about. And now next thing you know, we're washed by the blood of Jesus. And now our shame and guilt is as far as the east to the west, what it says in Psalms. That's the gospel. That's what God can do. And so you have this moment. Yes. Right? A little Mm -hmm. bit of hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Probably probably 50-50, some hurt. And then the self-righteous thing. And so you live your teenage years. Live my teenage years going through it. Uh, right. Yeah. I went through high school doing everything I was, wasn't supposed to do. Uh, a lot of us probably ventured it, even though I was sure. still kind of touch and go with church. Right. wasn't really real in my life. I was just kind of, it felt right. good. I kind of had an understanding of yeah, God. Yeah, it was something like yeah, a form cool. of godliness, right? A form of godliness. Yeah, a so form good. of godliness. And so. Yeah, when do you, so when does Jesus step in? Man, when do you so get saved? this is powerful. I want to, would you mind sharing the picture of my sister? Let's share that picture right there. That's my sister. Um, her name is Christy. Christy um, is a pivotal time in my life because in 1997, April 27th, 1997, uh, my sister died in a car accident. She was on the Altamont driving to work, and she wasn't wearing her seatbelt, and she ran off the road, and she was ejected and, and died instantly. And... Um, that was a tough moment, a very, very tough moment, as you can imagine. And some of you have lost loved ones as well. My mom is here. My dad's watching from, from TV at home. Um, but the tremendous amount of stress and the hole that's in your heart when you lose someone that you love so dearly. Uh, to tremendous pain, tremendous pain. But my mom got closer to the Lord, and I remember her reading her Bible, and she was so close. I remember her taking time and just seeing her and her notes in her book and her Bible, and she was just just going through it. 
But when I was at the mortuary with my father, we were uh, exam- you know, not examining, but we were looking at my sister, and she was, she was laying there, motionless, lifeless. And it's the weirdest thing when you know somebody, and then that life and that joy and that love that they had is just like, it's just gone. Just, just gone. It's like, where did that go? Where did that spirit, where did that go, you know? And so all the things that I remember growing up, going to Christian church, I just remember the, the words that were spoken. It, it wasn't like verbatim. It was just the feeling that I got from the scriptures and the stories that were shared through Christian church that came alive, came back to me. And it was like God reminding me, I'm here for you, son. And so three days later, I'm in my bedroom and I'm, Lights were off, and I'm just on my bed, just kind of curled up, and I'm just thinking about it. I'm just overwhelmed by what just is happening. Our family dynamic has just changed forever. And my, sis- and my sister's death was tragic, but it brought about so much goodness, so much victory. My family got saved. My mom started serving the Lord. My dad started coming to church I got saved. I, I cried out to the Lord that day on my bed, and I asked the Lord, please come, come to me. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be changed. And I remember at that moment when I did that, the Lord supernaturally just, just lifted this heaviness, this weight that was just on my chest, the hole that was just, it was just gone. Wow. Come on. Just lifted. I was freed. And I, only can, I can only give God that, that credit that I knew for the first time in my life that he was still alive, that he was still real, and that he was still doing something. I didn't understand it, but I was excited about it. And so it set me on a course for greater things. And I wanted to dive in to church more. I, I wanted to know who God was. And some of you men here, that I've gotten the privilege to walk with and talk with. Those of you who are new to the Lord, you guys would call me and say, where do I start reading? How do I do this life? And I remember where I was. And I'm able to show you some of the simple things that God had taught me to start your path so that you can get on your way. Yeah, that's so good. That, that um, you know, we talked about this a little bit first service. Um, I think it's amazing that God is kind to us that he shows up in our darkest moments. Um, I, I explain this, that God's not in heaven waiting for bad things to happen so that way he can finally step up. God's actually with us, and he never left. Come on. That's, that's something that, okay, if you're not a Christian, that's what we believe. We believe that the presence of God is always with us. We believe that God is always near And it's from that place of being near to us that then he intervenes. And so then the the question, right, if we're going to get real, the real question is, well, why didn't God intervene on the the accident? Why why didn't God intervene when she was on the Altamont? Why why didn't God do that? And and to be honest, I I can't answer that question. We can't. Right? That's not our job. No. But what, what we can do is respond to when things go crazy, tragedy and crisis in life. Where Paul talks about how Christ is an anchor, meaning that it doesn't matter what storms or winds or waves, that God's going to be there with, a, with us through the whole thing, right? And, and I think that that's so interesting that that's so a part of God's nature is that he doesn't leave us. 
Uh, and, and it can seem like, well, then is that why did God let that happen? So that way then Albert can get saved. I, I don't necessarily know that's the case, but I do know that God allowed, like things happen, right? Things just happen. We're human. We live in a fallen world. But in the midst of the fallenness and the brokenness, God's always there. Yeah. Yeah. And his way is greater than our way. And so I can relate because I lost my brother too. And so you, you have these moments and you have these thoughts where you're like, okay, God, why and how? And I want to tell you, if you've had those thoughts, it's not a sin. It's not wrong. God's not mad at you. God doesn't hate you. Where were you, God? Aren't you real? But, but what I will tell you this is what the enemy will try to do is will try to get you to stay in those thoughts because if he can sever your relationship with God based on something that happened on the earth, then that means he's winning. But what God does is he comes through in our moments of weakness, right? It is in my weakness Christ is perfected. That's what Paul says. And that he comes through in the moments of tragedy and he makes something good happen with something that should not have any good come from it. And that's when we talk about the goodness of God. Where you, Pastor, like this man just said on stage that God was still good even though he lost his sister. To the human mind, that is, that is an oxymoron. But to someone who knows the Lord, someone who has a deep relationship with Jesus, we understand that, God, you're good because you made good things happen out of a terrible thing. And I believe it is only in Jesus that God makes sense out of the pain and God gives purpose to tragedy. I really believe that. And... I say all that to say, Pastor Albert, you're, you're on this stage, and you could have been mad at God and hated God, Absolutely. and yeah. you could have just even went more wayward, but it was in that yeah. moment where God was able to grab your attention, and you're able to focus on him, and, and I think what's beautiful about that story is it wasn't like you were pursuing a God that then was like, okay, prove to me that you're worthy. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm right here, son. Yeah. I'm right here. I've never left you. Yeah. I was there when you were younger, smoking cigarettes and stealing stuff. I was, I was there when you moved to Manteca. I was there when you fell. I was there when you were in church. I was there when that friend invited you. And, and I'm, I'm here now. Yeah. I'm here now. And that's the beauty of Jesus is that if you're going through something, I want you to know this. That if you would let Jesus into your life, he's right there with you. Amen. He's right there with you. And yeah. so... So you, follow, you get saved. You follow yeah. Jesus. Like that's the moment where you Absolutely. get saved. You decide, God, I'm going to choose you and I'm going to serve you. Absolutely. And so tell us, a, just we're going to wrap up in just a minute. Yeah. But, but kind of share with us a little bit that, that kind of uh, transition. And, and I know you have a passage that kind of connects with that. So Absolutely. go ahead. So if we could share that passage up there. Matthew 19, it's about the rich young ruler. A lot of you know this. Let me just go ahead and read this though. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All, the, all these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, 
if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter into the kingdom of God. And what that means to me at that time in my life when I just got saved was would I sell out everything I had, everything that I knew, my work, I was working in the electrical trade, I was making good money, I was on a career path for, for, for good things. But when I got saved in 1997, shortly after the Lord was just knocking on my heart, like there was just this fire that was shut up in my bones. Like I just, I had to be involved. I had to know who this Jesus was. I needed more of him. And I was chasing him with the tenacity. I just like, I need more. So I talked to the pastor. I said, there's this program called Master's Commission. And he says, well, if you go to this Master's Commission, you got to devote one year of your life. No girlfriends, no job, no nothing. We're going to take you out of your home. You're going to be placed in another home. It was just this place where they try to get you where you were just focusing on the Lord. Yeah. Hardcore. Yeah. Hardcore, right? So I broke off my relationship that I was with for, I don't know, several years. And, and then I quit my job. And I remember my dad telling me, he goes, you're making a mistake. <laughs> like every good father would. You're making good money. What are you doing? You know, right. like you got everything lined up. You're making a mistake. They don't make any money. <laughs> I'm like, uh, it's not the point. Right. My heart was that I wanted to know Jesus. I wanted mm. him so badly. Mm. And so I, I enter into this master's commission in 1999. Um, I went through internship. I ended up going through the discipleship, learning so many great things. Came away with, with a lot of, of good things. But I also developed there's a seed of self-righteousness that was still planted inside of me. Things yeah, that I was... Still lingering from that high school lingering. years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did not get... Uh, I did not live this life where I wasn't even in, involved with drugs. I want to tell you right now that when in class they said, anybody know here? Everyone knows someone that does drugs, right? I remember in high school and I'm like, I don't know anybody that does drugs. That's how, that's how I was, but yeah, yeah right? <laughs> so when I ended up marrying my wife, you know, we had some, we had some, we had some stories, babe. We got some stories. While we were coming to Thrive here in 2014, we're leading groups. My wife and I, we're going through the stuff, and we're, we're believing for, for the Lord. Our two oldest boys still don't believe it, but they're causing a muck in the world. And they end up at the same time at, for two different things, being in jail. Mm. Uh, they, they are involved in drugs. Now I know people that are involved in drugs. But at the time, in my heart, it was like, oh, man, why, I don't even want to be a part of that. It was a self-righteousness mm. that I thought, like, you know what? I don't even want that part of my family. I, this, is, this is so hard for my wife because she's like, this is my life. And I came from the other side of the tracks. And I'm looking yeah. at that as that's dirty. Wrong. Like, like wow. you know what? Just leave them to God. Let, let it be. Let God do it. We don't have to intervene. And she's like, no, honey, we need to pray for them. We need to have grace for them. We need to, we need to give God the situation and pray for their salvation. Wow. And so her faith was more than mine at the time. And I was weak, and she was keeping it real with me. And we fought a lot. We fought a lot. But there was a pivotal moment in my life when we came to this church. And um, a lady named Pastor Arabella, uh, she had called me into her office. I think it was our first or second time in. She says, you know, Albert, 
this is what's going on in your life. And I think prophetically, God just moved in her. Yeah, and she was absolutely. saying all these things that you were hurting this and this happened to you. And, and, and I didn't even tell her any of it. But as she's telling me, I'm sitting there next to my wife. And I just felt like these things were just crumbling down. All these walls wow. that I had that I resented growing up. Because there was a time in my life when, when I went through a divorce. Uh, most of you know that we're blended, right? I already said that. But I was, we went through a divorce. And in that time of being in divorce, I was in the wilderness, if you will. Yeah. I was kind of doing my own thing up to my own devices. And um, when we came here in 2014... Uh, the hurts and things I carried in here, uh, I just wasn't, I was just going to go through the motions. I didn't want to let God in. And that's the choice. That's the thing that we are presented with. You're always given a choice, whether you want to receive what the Lord has for you or you can reject it. Wow, that's so good. Right? You always have a choice every day, every moment, even now. I receive what he's saying or I don't. You know, so this is this is where I... I come in, God says, this is what's going on. He breaks the walls down for me because I couldn't do it for myself. Yeah, Using somebody word, else. Yeah. It was amazing. And, and everything's that hardness of your heart is beginning to Absolutely. soften. Wow. So now I'm able to function and able to do what I'm doing today. You know, I thank God for that because of the body. This is why we need one another. Come on. If we don't function and do the things that we're supposed to do, we're all different. We're all gifted differently. We all have different talents. But when we come together, we're a perfect blend. Yeah. Like my family, we're a perfect blend. Come on. So good. The hurt that makes you hurt makes it that much stronger and richer. At the time, you don't appreciate it, and it hurts too much that you just want to run from it. But if you choose to embrace it, it makes what you love that much better. Yeah. And I look at that symbolically like with the cross. You know, I said earlier, I said that I had a perfect life. What, why do I need to be saved? I ask you that question today, and those of you who are on the fence, so why do you need to be saved? You had a good life. I'm a good person. I do good things. I tithe. I come to church. I, you're checking mark all these boxes. I lived most of my life good. Why wouldn't God, a loving God, accept me? But see, God gave us the commandments, and there was over 600 of them that they all had to follow. And if you broke any one of them, you broke them all. And Jesus knew this. And because of that, he knew the penalty of sin had to be dealt with, had to be rendered. So he takes himself off his throne, and he comes, and he says, I need to have a solution for my people and he comes and he says, I'm going to bleed on that cross for them. The cross is very offensive. To any person that doesn't believe in Jesus, the cross is offensive. Because right. what it does is it says that you deserved it. Right. You deserved it. You, the good person who believes you did everything right, their self-righteousness, your pride, you deserved it. Mm. And even if you were on that cross, it still wouldn't have been good enough for you to get to heaven. And that's why the Lord said, I had, to, I had to make a way for you. Mm. And in that transition, he offers himself freely to you. Right. And those of you who think that, you know, works is going to get you to heaven, you're wrong. We do good works because we love the Lord, not because we have to, to get to earn heaven. Right. We don't earn it. Yeah. We don't earn it. It's a free gift. That's a, that's a, that's a, a ploy of the enemy because 
Self-righteousness will say you have to earn it. Right. You got to look apart. You got you to be the part. Yeah. Like you said earlier, uh, or, or first service, a form of godliness, right? Form of godliness. Yeah. That's what Paul says. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so good. And, and I, I think that passage is so powerful yes. because, uh, you know, you read that passage and you think, wow, like God's mean. He's making this rich guy sell all his stuff. Uh, right? That's, the, that's not the point of the yeah. passage, right? In right. the passage, uh, you have this man who wants to follow Jesus. And he goes up to him and he says, hey, I, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, okay, well, you know, let's do it. And he's like, oh, but I'm, I'm already doing all the stuff, right? So, so what, what, what the conversation is, is he is giving God the parameters on why he feels like he's good enough to follow Jesus, and then Jesus flips it on him and says, well, if you're that good, sell your stuff. You shouldn't have a problem. And the Bible says he leaves sad. Interestingly enough, he didn't have to leave sad. All he had to do was sell his stuff, right? It was still his choice. Now, it's not like God's saying to all of us, sell your stuff and give it to the poor. If you're in the room, maybe you have to. I don't know. That's up to you and Jesus. Um, I'm not saying God wants you broke. Maybe he does. I don't know. That's up to you and Jesus. But the point of the conversation is this, is that, when you're going to follow God, it's going to cost you something. And he wants your whole heart, not half of it. This is the gospel. And, and what, what is he trying to do? He's trying to break down that self-righteousness in that rich young ruler. The same way he broke down that self-righteousness in you, Pastor Albert. Absolutely. Yeah. That cross, like you said, mm. it's offensive. It's very offensive. That's so good. Be, it, the, you know, it talks about it in scripture that it's a stumbling block to people, right? Jesus is the rock of offense. Uh, why? Because it's true. We deserved it, but God stepped in and that's grace is that he gives us something. And so then for us to say, now we're going to earn our way to heaven. What we are doing is saying the cross is not good enough. And I am more valuable than what Jesus has done for me. Absolutely. And we have to be careful. Absolutely careful. We have to absolutely walk through that and internally in our heart. See, that's the thing. That, that's, the, that's the problem. I'm just going on a tangent. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with the form of godliness. As you could, you could come up to the front and shout amen or, or say, how are you, brother, in the lobby. And don't get me wrong. I like those things. Those are, those are cool. Right, you could you could be you know going a group, uh, serving maybe, and and look, I think all those things are healthy. I think all those things are good. Checking off the boxes, like Pastor Albert said, and and we believe that those things here, group, serving, dream team, um, having a, a relationship with God, worship, ex, ex, extravagant worship to God, right, going all in, all those things are really good. But um, only you know if they're genuine or if they're a form of godliness. Only you know if that's authentic or if it's a costume you put on for other people. And what Pastor Albert's saying is that if you would just understand that God wants a real relationship with you, God wants something deep on the inside for you to happen. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I had to learn the hard way. Mm. That scripture later on, that passage that I shared, it meant something different, a little bit more, right. more in depth. As I'm going through this with my wife and my kids and our family, and we're going through the depths, we're leading groups, we're trying to put a happy face on, we're going through it. We're, we're fighting, we're arguing, you know. But God was like, you know, I'm gonna take you through the sun. You've never been through it. 
and I need you to feel this. I need you to I need you to see it. It's not going to be all bad, but you had to experience it to some degree because Come on. there's other people that need this, that need to be released. Yeah. And I'm going to give this to you. It was like a gift. I'm going to break this off you so I can break it off others. Absolutely. Come on. And then it's just so weird that later on in my life now I'm here with men. Hey. I'm like, what in the world? On stage preaching on a Sunday. Come on now. Come on. Isn't God funny? <laughs> I hope he's laughing. But Come on. The thing is, is you go through things in life and, with, and you're given a choice. And that choice is always yours to bear. Yeah. Do I want Jesus and his way? Or do I still want my way? Yeah, that's good. Do I want to continue with my train of thought, my ideology? Or do I want to believe in the way that the good Lord put out for me? And there's one thing I, I want to share with you is this, is that if you truly trust the Lord with your life and the things that he written in his good book, you will find that there is no error there is no flaw. There's no double standard. Wow. That everything that you experience is for your good. I had someone speak a word to my wife and I from another church. And he says, nothing is ever forgotten. Nothing is ever lost with the Lord. And the things that I thought I lost because of my sin and my divorce and all these things that were taking place before coming back to church here at Thrive... I thought was lost. It was gone. I was, low, I, was, I was in a low place. I didn't feel like there was something there left for me. And I want you guys to know that those are lies of the enemy. That if you feel shame and if you feel doubt, like you're not supposed to be here, like you don't feel like God's worth in his love, is, you're worthy of his love, those are lies. Lies. That if you only could believe and if you only just touched the hem of his garment, like the woman with the blood, with the issue of blood, she was fighting. She just knew I need to get to Jesus. She fought this, this battle with her body and she was physically sick. But she knew that if I just could touch the hem of Jesus, I would be saved. So good. I would be healed. Yeah. She made a decision that I just need to get there. And like many of us, we want to walk on water. We want to run on water. But the first thing you need to do, folks, is you got to step out of the boat. You got to get out of the boat first. You got to make that decision, the conscious decision that I'm not going to do it my way and God's way. I'm going to do it either my way or I'm going to do it God's way. I'm challenging you that with this this morning. Do you want to do it your way? Do you want freedom? Because if you want freedom, you have to trust that the Lord is good, that he's not a liar, that he's not a man that he should lie, that he has a purpose, he has a plan for your life. Right. And he will take the things that are wrong and he'll make them good because it says that for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, there's something more. Come on. There's so something good. more. So good. So for good. you. For me, he could do it for me, he could do it for you. I would love to hear your story one day. In our groups is where I get to find out more about you. Man, I challenge you. There's something crucial about the family dynamic and how God set it up. And if the man's doing what he's supposed to do, then everything else will fall into place. The wife, you know, you're saying, Pastor, Pastor, my wife won't even listen to me. 
I can't get her to submit. And God's like, well, it's because you haven't submitted to me first. Come on. Listen, before, before we close, um, I, think, I think that's so good. There's something in the room right now. I don't know if you can tell the trend that God is calling someone in the room to kind of, you got to surrender again. You got to surrender again. You got to stop doing this thing on your own. You got to break that self-righteousness down and you got to surrender again. Do me a favor, stand on your feet, come on. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.